0: The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Kia ora koutou. This is a a very special episode of The Fold. It's a bit of a deviation from the normal format. Uh, I'm about to hand you over to, to Madeline Chapman, who is interviewing... Anna Rafitikono and Alex Bray, who are you know regular spinoff uh, connoisseurs will know, uh, are two of the the, uh, the the current and and the founding um, editors of the Bulletin, our daily newsletter, which has become a real kind of cult product uh, for a lot of people. It's the way a lot of people start. Start that day, and yeah, if you don't know it, get familiar. But we had an event recently to mark the fifth anniversary of of the launch of the bulletin, way back in twenty eighteen. Got Alex Bray back in the building and got Anna to to have a, a conversation with Matt about how the bulletin is made, the evolution of newsletters, and to just generally kind of reflect on. What, what it means to us, what the motives were. Uh, it's, I was there. It was a live event in the chambers at the spinoff. We invited a bunch of members along. So, you know, if you're not already, really do recommend that you join up as a member because that's the kind of thing uh, that you can come along to in future. I'm going to be doing a bunch more of them, but it's it was a pretty incredible conversation. They really drilled deep into this thing. And so it you know kind of functions as a, a shadow history of New Zealand media over the last five years as well. They're two very smart, very dedicated, very early rising people. And uh it's just a fantastic chat. And uh yeah, I think think you'll really enjoy it if you like this podcast. So, here is uh, the spinoffs editor Madeline Chapman interviewing Anna Rafa Connell and Alex Bray on the fold.
1: My name is Mad Chapman. I'm the editor at the spinoff, and I will be your host for this evening. Uh, thank you for coming out tonight to celebrate the fifth birthday of the Bulletin. Now, we will just do a little bit of an intro into the bulletin. I'm sure anyone here probably is quite familiar, but just in case. For those who are not, the bulletin launched in March of 2018 after much grumbling around the office about how hard it was to find the good and worthy reporting because there is always just so much stuff floating around out there. Wouldn't it be great if someone curated that for you, we asked, basically inventing the newspaper in 2018? <laughs> But we are a company of the future so the format of choice was an email newsletter delivered every weekday morning at 7am with the best of New Zealand media wrapped up in one handy package. It required an absolute news hound with no consideration for their sleeping patterns and we found Alex (laughs) (laughs) Bray. Alex took the bulletin from being a nice idea to an invaluable reality over about three years Alex sent more than 700 bulletins from all over the country, sometimes from a van, sometimes from a couch, <laughs> before leaving to take on a similarly reclusive role as the executive producer of TVNZ's Q&A. Justin Giovannetti, our gallery reporter, then took on the role in 2021, beginning the job when the country entered its Delta lockdown era, and guiding the bulletin admirably through what was a pretty dark period for quite a few of us before heading home to Canada. And now we have Anna Rawhiti who used to write a fortnightly column for us, so of course I asked if she wanted to write a daily one instead. <laughs> Anna has been in the role for nearly a year and apparently has the same sleeping behaviours as Alex, She recently reduced her output to three days a week in order to pick up a fun little extra job as head of audience and former deputy editor Catherine McGregor now writes the Monday and Friday editions, which is how Anna is able to be here tonight drinking a wine without having to write 1,400 words when she gets home. (laughs) At the moment, the Bulletin subscriber base is over 37,000, which makes it one of or maybe the biggest newsletter in the country, which is hugely impressive. So please give a warm welcome to Alex Bray and Anna Rawhitukone. <laughs> so we might as well start at the start because I think five years is quite a long time for anything, uh, particularly a newsletter. Uh, most people will probably become more familiar with newsletters in the last few years. Alex, you applied for the job. Of Bulletin Editor. What attracted you to that position?
2: Uh, well, I think um, first of all, I was kinda underemployed at the time. And um, and I really liked the idea of the spin-off as well. Um, I'd read some stuff on it before and I had thought, oh, actually this looks kind of interesting. At the time I was at News Talk ZB and um was maybe just ever so slightly more aligned with my idea of how media should be to, to come to the spin-off. But uh, it's it's funny in a way because had, had it have been advertised maybe a couple of months earlier or a couple of months after, I never would have probably seen the the job listing at all, let alone uh, applied for it. So it was just one of those lucky Lucky breaks in a way. Uh, it was actually originally offered uh, to a friend of mine who is a very good journalist as well. Uh, she decided that she didn't want to do it. And um, so I guess I took the hospital pass instead.
1: <laughs> I did not know that it was, applied, it was uh, offered to someone else. That's impressive. I think that is. Um, oh, there we go. Yeah, right, it was, I believe the origin story was that you were made for the role. <laughs> Um am afraid not. <laughs> Anna, you were a bulletin reader for, well, the whole time that Alex was editing it, and then you became the editor. How did that, did it match what you thought Alex's job was when you took it over? No.
3: <laughs> not remotely. I mean, I think it's, I think that thing about people being born for the role, I just want to note that that is something Duncan Greaves said to me when <laughs> I agreed to take the job. So he's a very good salesman. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I couldn't – when the bulletin first launched, I, I suppose I have been a bit of a newsletter nerd from way back and the art of, I guess, curation to me is something that's really appealing. I don't come from a journalism background I I have not worked in a newsroom but I just was struck by the generosity of what the bulletin was setting out to do which was provide both a service to readers in terms of synthesizing all of that work and then also showcasing some of the best journalism in this in this country in a non-proprietary way so you know we don't we don't just post links to the spin off right um taking it on. (laughs) So I I loved the bulletin. I loved what Alex and Justin did with the bulletin. I, yeah, I don't think I had any concept of just how present you have to be in the news cycle pretty much all of the day, sometimes (laughs) most of the night and pretty early in the morning. Um, Because of the way that You know, news has got a rhythm and in order for you to construct a lead every morning, which has to have a bit of substance to it, you are often, you know, something will be reported or news will break and then you are waiting for the thing that adds a bit of kick for readers, which is the analysis or the commentary. Um, And I think, yeah, I just had no kind of concept of how glued... (laughs) To the news and the and the rhythm of the various newsrooms across the country that you had to be to to deliver what it is that readers are looking for.
1: That leads me to my next question about process. I feel like you you both have maybe different approaches to how you just physically got the bulletin out. Alex, maybe we'll start with you. What was your to get a bulletin out at seven a.m. What are you doing?
2: Um, well, as as Anna very gracefully alluded to, having kind of no life really helped. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I suppose um, that, that sense of being plugged in, um, it's amazing what you just pick up from the ambience of day-to-day life, like you might be in an Uber and the news comes on the radio or you'll Uh, they used to have these TVs on buses with headlines and stuff like that, or you'd walk past a newsstand and see a newspaper there, or you'd just be scrolling through Twitter and you'd see an interesting story. Um, So yeah, it sort of, it was an all-day thing, but actually a lot of the time that all-day nature of it was just the ambience of life generally. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I would probably, if I was filling out a timesheet, I probably would have, like, said I was working 12 hours, but it wouldn't have, strictly speaking, been true. Um, but I would have taken Duncan's money anyway, so. Um, uh, but, yeah, basically the two the two serious chunks of it, there was one at the end of the, sort of at the end of the afternoon, at the end of the evening, so maybe the six o'clock news has just been through. Um, and then the other the other chunk starts at 5 a.m. in the morning. Um, and that, every single day, I mean, it's not dairy farming, but it does start to wear on you a little bit. <laughs> um, I had an alarm go off at 5 o'clock every morning. Uh, I'm fortunate to have a very supportive partner, and um, there's really nothing so supportive as a kick in the shins to get out of bed. Um, and that, that block of time between five and seven, I actually came to really, really love that time of the day, even though uh, tiredness accumulates. It's, it's always a really quiet time, you know? And so you can really just look at everything that you've gathered up over the previous day and then start to kind of synthesise it into something that sort of makes sense. So there was sort of a, a lot of prep, but then the actual putting it out part uh, was very much between 5 and 7 o'clock. And, um, you know, sometimes that came with a lot of adrenaline as well, which was quite cool. Uh, there's there's nothing quite like the feeling of not really having a lead at 6.15 and knowing you're still going to have to send it out at 7 anyway, kind of no matter what. Um, so, yeah, yeah, uh, after the adrenaline wears off, then you just get to go back into the ambience of life again and start picking up things for the next day.
1: Anna, is it... Does that describe your process?
3: Um, I think the, the ambient stuff is right. Like, basically, from the point at which you've sent it out, you're then tuned back into the breakfast news shows because you're looking for what might set the agenda that day. And you kind of... I, for my own sanity, dip out kind of between <laughs> sort of 10 and 3, Just in, and also I now have other things to do, Um I suppose my my big dilemma, especially when I first started, was the lead. And I think because everybody who had edited before me and because there was this kind of concept of what met the grade for the bulletin, um, I was, you know, I felt this immense pressure that everything had to be this like super big significant issue or it had to plug into a really big nationally significant kind of thing. And I think actually it it manages to do that most mornings. It manages to, to plug into something quite macro, even if it might be a little bit more of a micro sort of story. But, yeah, my stress was always the lead. And then um, I would for a long time very diligently file it to Madeline, you know, when I first started, it was like, must be with Madeline by like six o'clock. And then it just sort of just got, must be with Madeline by like, Madeline might look at it at 11 p.m. from a subbing point of view. And now it's very much, I tend to start at the bottom where I'm like, sporting snippets, which because I don't have Alex Bray's deep and passionate love of cricket, <laughs> which believe you me, I've had correspondence about. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I feel like it's just, you know, like for a while I was trying to fake being massively knowledgeable about some sports (laughs) and um, then I was like, no, (laughs) this is ridiculous. So I kind of sat at the bottom knowing, I usually go to bed each night knowing what the lead will be and I know that I've kind of sketched it out but there is very much now a situation where I get up at four. Well, I, look, I'm a morning person and I wouldn't have taken the job if I wasn't a morning person. Um, and you kind of just go from there. Like you you know what's going to – you can't really go to sleep if you don't know what's going to be in it the next day. Um, but you also have to accept, and this has happened a few times, that there will be some events overnight, which means you have to throw the entire thing out um, and – start from scratch, you know, and so you learn to trust the fact that you can actually do most of it
2: from 4am. I'm just going to be honest, I didn't know that 4am thing and
0: that's fucked up. The Fold is brought to you by O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O-Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis.
1: Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? You are both very strong writers of your own features and opinions and you spend most of your time or spend a lot of your time relying on other people's work in order to create your work. How often are you looking around the news going, why is nobody writing about this thing? I want it to be the lead in the bulletin and no one's written anything on it that I can
2: link to. I mean... it's sort of the privilege of doing it as well in in a way if you are doing journalistic stuff on the site, because all of a sudden you've got this big chunk of your day where in some ways you've done the most important work that you have to do that day and then it just opens up you know all of this time and often as well like travel kind of opportunity as well uh, to just think well I I think that's quite interesting I'm going to call some people up and ask them about it and write something about it. Um, so I think it actually, like, like doing the bulletin really uh, allowed me to gain a lot of confidence as a journalist generally because, uh, you know, there was plenty of room to just follow stuff I was passionate about or interested in uh, as a result and not have to have the pressure of, uh, you know, convincing people that um, a story about a, a minor party that has just fallen under the registration threshold or something was actually worthy of a journalist's time because it had already been, uh, you know, I guess kind of my um, professional existence for the day had already been justified. So, <laughs> so you can just chase stuff down, basically. And and honestly, um, uh, you know, uh, the... Um, yeah, some of the stories that I ended up doing for the spin off, the ones that I really enjoyed, were the ones that involved getting out of Auckland and, and going and doing something else. And, um, uh, like, I remember, for example, when uh, the Tauranga City Council got sacked. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit of reporting about that, but there's some, not a lot of journalists in Tauranga. So there wasn't an awful lot to really go on. So by doing the bulletin it was it was possible to start to identify things that might have been quite important but weren't necessarily in a position to be covered really heavily because in some parts of the country the news infrastructure for that just doesn't quite exist in the same way.
3: yeah I think because I came from like a feature writing and column writing background um, it's not often that you feel like there are holes in kind of coverage in in terms of something has happened and it has been reported on. I think often what I am sometimes missing or desperately looking for at 5am is um, somebody who has kind of elucidated on it or explained it or given some kind of commentary around it because I do think that contextual stuff. And I remember I probably spoke really boringly at links to you when you... Madeline texted me to say, and I was writing a column for her, she texted me to say, can we talk? It's not about your column. And I (laughs) was on the way to the beach and it was, I think, it wasn't a lockdown situation but it was that sort of weird Omicron kind of period where everything felt quite kind of precarious and stifling in Auckland. And I... Called her. And I think if she'd just text me, would you like to be the editor of the bulletin, I would have thrown my phone across the room and had a panic attack. But because I had to speak to her on the telephone, I was like, oh, I need to sound coherent. And I do remember talking to you a lot about this thing that I'm probably, like, neurotically wedded to, which is this idea of context and the idea that part of what the job of the bulletin is to do is to provide a sense of balance and calm and that perhaps what happened yesterday or is happening this morning has happened before or that it is happening overseas so that it's not so sensationalist. Um, So, I mean, I, I probably lean a little bit more heavily on the work of other people, but I suppose with that writing background that I had, you know, the thing I probably enjoy the most is the framing and how you how you take, you know, like some of my favourite ones have been kind of weird about salmon. I've got a sort of odd um, interest in salmon and salmon farming. And, um, you know, like it's the days where you find that kind of story that does plug into this broader sort of issue and it's just, you know, when you can put some colour in there and, and provide, I guess, you know, how this little story actually speaks to this bigger kind of issue and, that framing, that context and sometimes that kind of colour or the odd editorial opinion, which I think is quite rare in in, in the bulletin, but, you know, the the sense of, especially if you've got expertise in an area that you can perhaps add your own contribution to it.
1: Does that mean when you write, I mean, you're writing for 37, well, you've got 37,000 subscribers that's a lot of people to be trying to serve with one product and one person. Did you ever have an idea in your mind of what a bulletin reader was or what a bulletin reader wanted?
2: Well, it's actually quite weird to look at people at the moment <laughs> <laughs> and think about it. Um, sort of, sort of. Not, not, in any sort of um, uh, not in any sort of demographic way. Uh, or any sort of, um, yeah, not not in the sort of way that you might, I don't know, break down a focus group or something like that. It, it was more like I, I sort of always thought about it as a little bit of like writing an email to a friend or, or you know, someone who I might have had a personal relationship with but, um, you know, just wanted to catch them up on what was going on and, and why it mattered. But I think... Um, if there was one way of describing how I would have thought about people uh, who were reading it, it would have been that people who are interested in the world uh, but aren't necessarily having that interest in the world be satisfied by what they're getting from, you know, from the from their overall media diet, maybe, or, or or sort of what they have access to and and what's easy for them to to take in, but fundamentally that point about being interested in the world, um, I think that was, that was really important and I think often in the correspondence that I got back from people after writing something that they were potentially interested in or in a lot of cases actually knew a hell of a lot more about it than I did, um, that, that sense of being able to meet that interest always came back.
3: Yeah, I suppose because I was a reader before I, you know, you – had to invent it. Um, I, I was like, the reader is me.
2: <laughs> the reader was you.
3: I write for myself. No. Um, I knew that one of the things I really appreciated about some of the first newsletters I started su- subscribing to, and then the bulletin specifically, was the ability to provide cut through because the online media environment is like fairly hectic and um you know like the initial conception of the bulletin around the newspaper you know it sounds yieldy especially for the spin-off which is like a (laughs) nearly only 10 years old online media company um was great because it gave you a hierarchy around what was kind of important and I think that is by and large the service that I imagine readers are looking for. Um, I'm always not pleasantly surprised, but I' always I always feel quite gratified when I put in sometimes some kind of chunkier reads or some more challenging kind of reads that I feel like' are, you know maybe more challenging than you, you would kind of get um, because we can draw on literally anything we kind of like, right? Um, it's always really gratifying to see the number of people that are, like, super keen on reading the long read about, you know, the frozen rivers of Yemen and the salmon or something. You know, like, it's it's, it's so gratifying to me to know that it is that kind of reader. It is a reader who is, first and foremost, yes, looking for something to read in the morning that provides them with a summary of what is going on in this country and what is going on is defined by, I suppose, the, the bar that we kind of set around the bulletin or the, the spin-off set around the bulletin and then people who you know there's a value that's provided to them there's a service that's provided to them I also love the fact that people click on like a lot of my weird um like animal news stories or <laughs> you know like I, I do try because I know that the news is quite heavy I do try and put sometimes some stupid or some lighter stuff in there and, um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the readership is really dedicated and um, that is is very gratifying but I, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I have a clear picture of who that reader is.
1: Well, I think it's a testament to both of you that the of all the people I know personally who read the bulletin, they fall pretty neatly into two camps, either people who read everything and therefore also would like to read the bulletin and get that next level. And people who literally read nothing else, they just read the bulletin for their news and both seem equally satisfied with the product, (laughs) which is like almost unfathomable. (laughs) But do you think that you're, you know, you say you have to be truly plugged into all of the news every day, basically. Has it changed your approach or your appreciation of New Zealand media especially now you know everyone's got a lot of thoughts about the media what's your did it did your perception of it evolve over your time as editor
2: yeah yeah it did and and it evolved in the sense of um what and this is you know this is absolutely not like a, a poor me kind of thing but like what the life of a journalist is like and um the sorts of communication from the public, your typical journalist will generally get. Uh, it's, you know, if if you're on um, if you're on a social media platform and you're just a, a normal news reporter, you probably get nine out of ten comments will be quite negative, and some of them will be quite horribly negative as well. Um, a lot of the feedback that will come into the various inboxes will be. Uh, horrible, um, for want of a better word, Uh, and it's really unusual for journalists to get told, hey, that was a really interesting story, I learned something from that, or that would actually be sufficient praise, to be honest. Like, to (laughs) to, to merely be interesting would be more than enough. (laughs) More than enough. Um, And so, yeah, I I guess in terms of of thinking about the rest of the industry, because I was always really conscious of... um, of piggybacking on the work that other people were doing uh, and often in quite a thankless way. So one of the small things I decided to do right at the start would be to, uh, if someone had done a good bit of reporting, put their name in it. You know, give them a a small shout out. If it was an amazing piece of reporting or analysis or, or just writing generally, say that. I mean, you know, it cost me absolutely nothing to say something nice to someone who is probably working really hard and not getting, you know, probably not getting a lot of positive recognition for it. Um, So, yeah, please go and hug a journalist today. Um,
3: (laughs) Yeah, I think the thing for me, again, because I came at it, Um, as a reader and somebody who only had to file something every fortnight, um, I think the thing that has struck me the most is just the pace of it and the pace of reporting and I guess, you know, the pressure a lot of journalists are under to to get things up. I I think the the biggest sense of appreciation I've developed while doing the, the bulletin is for people who are truly local news reporters people who are deep in parts of the country that maybe don't surface on your kind of main home pages you know some of the There was one story, I think it was in New Plymouth or Pines North or somewhere, with this guy who was protesting against the cost of um, funerals. And he was like outside the public trust office. And he'd been, and he was there with like a coffin and a skeleton and a wheelchair. And it was just the most extraordinary piece of writing, the most extraordinary piece of reporting. It had significance and relevance in terms of like, big demographic issues that this country is dealing with. And it had the most incredible photographer along the way who took these brilliant photos. So people in in still working in kind of local communities and local newsrooms. The other people I deeply love um, are beat reporters, like dedicated, hardcore beat reporters. So the people that have been writing about education for decades because... I guess the pace and the conditions of kind of online media in particular mean that you've you you you've got your gallery... I mean, arguably the largest beat in the country is politics, right, because the gallery is the largest beat we have. Um, but it's, you know, they are reporting what the Prime Minister has said, right, or they are reporting what Christopher Luxon has said. You then require someone like John Gerritson, who's been writing about education... Probably before I started school, I don't know. That m- might be very rude of me, but um, <laughs> and he knows. He knows the system. He knows the stuff, and so you know that he he's going to be on it. And you know, Jill Bonnet on immigration is another one, right? At RNZ as well. Just people who really deeply know those areas, and I think they provide certainly for me, who quite frequently, and I have openly admitted this in a couple of. I think the jib crisis was the one where I was like, I literally don't even know what jib is. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what jib is before tomorrow morning. <laughs> and I do, I, I think I did actually admit, I was like, I don't, look, let's all, let's all explore the jib crisis together, people. But the thing with the bulletin is quite frequently you are getting up to speed on something, like literally in 12 hours, and... You know, I, I am now very proudly fluent in inflation and the OCR and the Reserve Bank and all of that kind of stuff, but I certainly wasn't when I started. And so the the journalists that write with depth of knowledge in, in their field, I I truly appreciate. And then the people that write sparkling commentary, you know, the people, some of whom are in this room, you know, write with a flair and a knowledge of what they're writing about to just kind of provides something very delightful to read, but also something that really cuts through on on a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I think just a deep sense of appreciation whilst also acknowledging an industry that is under an enormous amount of pressure. Oh, well, thank you
1: both for your very intelligent and insightful answers. Uh, I want to just once again thank you all for coming and thank you to our spin-off members. and thank you to Z Energy, who is our very generous sponsor of the bulletin and keeps it running. And there will be a cake due to it being a birthday. I've been told uh, very strictly that we will not be singing happy birthday (laughs) to the bulletin. So don't worry about that, but please do stick around for some cake and another drink in the chat. Thank you all.
0: Thank you. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis.